Good day, dear listeners. Steve Freda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And today's guest here is Gleb Kuznetsov, who is the founder of Milk Inside Design Studio in San Francisco and that of Brain Technologies, Inc., an AI and interface company that aims to reinvent computer interfaces and make software natural. Gleb, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, glad to speak in with you. And uh, yeah, I would love to share some experience and tell you a little bit about my journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear the details. So what is that journey specifically? Can you kind of make it uh, in a nutshell how you got to the point where you are the founder uh, of two companies, uh, Brain Technologies and also Milk Inside Inc.? How did you get here and how did you? Uh, end up running these two companies? So, well, Brain, I'm not really uh, the CEO, but um, I helped to co-found uh, this company. Um, so, but mainly I'm driving the Milk Insight uh, design team, which is uh, 70 people in a team in San Francisco. So basically my journey was uh, starting uh, as everybody else's journey. I was uh, working on the regular position as an engineer on the early days uh, and um, uh, helping basically um, engineering large uh, products for pretty big companies. And uh, that's how I start. And um, then I was working in different positioning uh, as a head of uh, design, as a head of product as well. So my responsibility uh, was to ship products to the customer for different uh, corporations. And of course, after decades of experience, uh, I realized that I can do that as a consultant. And um, organically, I just started doing for a lot of different clients uh, because they asked me uh, to help them. And uh, of course, uh, like organically, I built my own team and uh, then my team has become a company. And right now we work with a lot of large organizations, for example, Airbus, Mitsubishi, Honda. We are also partner with uh, brands like Xiaomi. And we do incorporating system designs for Oppo, which is the largest Asian and I think Indian as well uh, organization in the world, uh, consumer electronics. So we focus on the mainly, I would say, consumer products and digital transformation. And that's what I was doing for all my, I would say, career. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's very impressive. Uh, big, big clients there. And I also understand that you you started in Europe and then Eastern Europe, where I'm from as well. And then you got to Switzerland and from there to the U.S. So what made you make these geographic moves? Well, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, um, I grew up in Europe. So I was grew up in Germany. And uh, yes, I was traveling a lot from uh, country to country. And I ended up uh, running my business in Switzerland. And uh, I really love this country. It's the highest level of uh, uh, life, I would say, uh, country in the world. But uh, I get some, uh, a very unique opportunity uh, to work with a very large organization in the US, especially in California. 
And this opportunity was, uh, I would say, one in a life uh, chance to just to build something incredible big. And that big was the consumer operating operating system for mobile devices, for TVs, a watch, and uh, basically all the electronic devices of very uh, large uh, company. And basically, I accept this challenge because it was really challenged to create a design language which, which will be implemented in more than a billion devices uh, uh, in a very short amount of time. And uh, of course, um, that was catching me. And I came to California and started working on this project. And of course, I succeed with the with the results and organically received the offer to continue working here. And because of the attitude of uh, Silicon Valley innovations and because of the how fast is moving, everything is here, I decide to stay and build my uh, business here. And of course, is also the, the reason why I decided to stay is was because of the of all the history of innovation. I think the the biggest, largest uh, innovation was built here. And uh, that was uh, giving me a lot of uh, inspiration as well. So like, I, I think uh, we carry on with my team up to date. So yeah, yeah, you want to be close to the fire where, where the exciting things happen at the cutting edge. So definitely Silicon Valley, uh, San Francisco is the place. So please explain to me a little bit about digital transformation because it's still a little bit uh, cloudy in my mind, what it actually means. Uh, I also perceive that different people mean different things by it. It sounds like very grandiose digital transformation. So what does it look like for a company to go through digital transformation and uh, you know, are there different different variations of this, or this is a very clear concept and it's the same every time? Well, first of all, I think uh, yeah, you 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 tell it absolutely right. So digital transformation in different context can mean different, absolutely different things. For someone, um, digital transformation means transforming the business model of the brand. And uh, for someone can mean that uh, digital transformation is changing the marketplace for the brand. For example, there was always offline and they was focusing on the offline uh, role, but now they want to uh, be more aggressively presented in the online world. And, and, and it's changing the model as well. But uh, digital transformation mean also sometimes is updating uh, the function and the design of the core of the products. For example, if we talk if we talk about the big brands and uh, let's just uh, talk about the companies who are producing I don't know mobile phones, then digital transformation for this company can mean a lot of different things. Is how the people uh, look at your mobile phone company. What's inside the operating system of your mobile phone? What your core value proposition for the customer as well. So they, all of these things, they can be transformed and they can innovate. But there are also a lot of reasoning why a lot of brands, a lot of uh, consumer companies, they not just innovate. And there are reasons for that, uh, not because they don't want, but also because they love uh, predictable growth. They love that business uh, generate predictable numbers where it gives a little growth. And when you say um, stakeholders about, hey, let's reinvent something and innovate, 
they just not ready for that, not accept because it's gonna be affecting uh, the the main business, the main business model and grow as well. So like, and uh, because the innovation is always, uh, it's never uh, going up uh, right away. It's always uh, take time. It's take time for adoption. It's take time to uh, for the creation as well as and testing and making sure that this is something we're gonna fit people's life per- perfectly and uh, my company basically focusing on design innovations so like basically everything which is um, related to a perception of the product or business for the consumer clients and uh, we're doing that pretty successfully uh, with a lot of large brands so Gleb uh, let me ask you this so you mentioned that people also adopt digital transformation because they want to have predictable growth so give me a, an example of how digital transformation makes growth more predictable. Well, yeah, it's an interesting question because um, the uh, making a predictable grow within the digital transformation is doable, but not everybody know how to do that. And it's requ- uh, required uh, some specific process. Of course, uh, uh, when we work with large organizations, uh, we use this process. So this process is required a lot of uh, research resources and big data, basically, analysis as well. So because every single transformation or innovation, when it's uh, related to design, uh, should have um, uh, some numbers behind uh, the decisions we make uh, in this design. And these numbers is basically reflect uh, what's the adoption rate, what's the retention rate for future solutions, and uh, all of that uh, different basically KPIs, what we put inside uh, our success uh, basically measurement. And and we use a lot of techniques, uh, include uh, the user research. Uh, We ask people basically, are they going to be satisfied with this innovation? Are they going to be keep using the product or how they're going to tell about the product to other people as well. So like we do a lot of user research. We also do a lot of analysis uh, based on the prototyping. So like we do uh, this uh, small bits of uh, projects, uh, we call them MVP basically, but not any minimum valuable product. We call them uh, minimum a lovable product. So like the lovable product uh, mean that uh, we also measure how much people love the product, how much they satisfy with this product. And if this number is good, then we will say that MVP is complete and we are ready to go further with our, with our basically uh, user research and analysis and spend a little bit more time and resources on that. So basically we're doing this uh, MVPs on many different kind of like sides uh, of the potential uh, product and we test it uh, pretty aggressively and as well as uh, we do a lot of uh, analysis on the market, what's happening on the different industries and different countries as well. So like all of that is important and I came to play uh, with the decision making. And that is what basically making predictable growth for the innovation and digital transformation. I'd like to dig in a little bit here. So you talked about your cube framework which is basically looking at things from six different directions. Is this ortho also uh, a tool to create that predictability? And please, please explain what this cube framework 
does and how is it oh, yes. a business owner? Yes, uh, uh, well, um, when you start uh, innovation project in any basically company, you have some process of defining what is this innovation basically. So like what we're going to change, what we're going to define and how it's going to fit people's life. So of course, so like it's it's not really uh, mean that uh, within this definement process, we're going to make a predictable grow, I would say. But uh, this process will help to make a right decision, which direction as a company and as an innovation we're going to pick. And this process basically is a research or discovery process, we call it. We use it um, as a basically, let's imagine that we have this cube with the four sides. Well, cube, if we take a look on the 3D, it can have a six sides as well. So like, I mean, it has these angles. And uh, we can turn this cube uh, and look to the uh, surface on different angle. And uh, this process uh, basically required to cover each of the angle of the cube with um, information which we call basically archetype of the persona who's going to use uh, the product. So usually in marketing research, people use this uh, basically a different uh, type of uh, personas to define what's the perfect market fit for different basically uh, solutions and products. And uh, instead of um, uh, using this kind of like persona information, like age, uh, is it man or, or woman, we uh, use mostly in our work archetypes. So which is describe the people, uh, what they're passionate about what they love in their life, what they don't like in their life, how they basically live their life, where they spend vacations and all of that. And we build this uh, kind of like persona description or archetypes. And each of the sides of this uh, cube have this archetype description. And we try to create a small bits of product. So when I, small, uh, when I call it small bits of product, that means that it's not a fully complete application or fully complete operating system. It's the only core of this operating system and core value proposition for this specific type of archetype. So like, for example, if we talk about the operating system for mobile device and we doing that operating system for the working mom, for example. So we try to include the functionality, which is working mom will love to have in this operating system. For example, the very quick uh, pull up the camera with uh, her baby when she at work. So like she can press one button and the camera come up and they see, she see how basically the child is doing in, in, in the home. So basically, all of that uh, we try to cover and we try to create this MVPs in each of the side of this cube. And uh, after we complete that, we take a look on the basically on everything what we create and we making right decision about the direction, about the functionality of digital transformation and innovation, basically what corporate should go because only after we have take a look on the each of the sides and only after we uh, go through this experience of understanding of each of the archetype and what's the needs of these archetypes and also how we can serve them we can make a right decision in terms of the priorities and uh, what the company is ex actually stands for in this particular innovation or mm -hmm. this particular digital mm -hmm. transformation. Mm -hmm.
So that's pretty complex when you have a product and you launch it with six different archetypes or avatars, I guess it's a synonym here. Um, and that product would have to serve, it's not a niche product, it's, it's more like a mass market product, right? When you do this. Um, so Yeah, it's pretty a lot of work, I would say. And uh, the speed is very important here. Of course, we don't want to spend years of doing this MVPs for each of the basically archetypes. That's why we try to be quick. And we also have a separate teams working on the separate archetypes. So we are working and doing a lot of things at the same time. Mm -hmm. oh, that's fascinating. So is this process... Is there a simpler version of this process for smaller startups or this is pretty much the process that any startup that wants to come up with a product will have to go through? They will have to think about different uh, user groups, archetypes, and they would have to make this product work for all the major groups at the same time. Well, of course, it depends on the ambitions of the startups because there are Sometimes startups, they just want to run the business and make it smooth and slow growth. And that startups, I would say, not really require this type of uh, work because it's going to ju just uh, be a little bit uh, too expensive for, for the startup to spend uh, that type of money and uh, time as well on this researching like each, each of the groups. But if the startup is trying to become a big organization and cover, you know, like mass market very quickly, uh, if you're talking about the startups who are going to become a consumer focusing mass market worldwide corporation, basically in a few years, then of course, it's better to spend this uh, time and resources upfront. So you already have pretty good uh, picture in terms of what you can do and what is not going to work out mm -hmm. perfectly. Gleb, can you give uh, give us an example of a, a product and the types of avatars that you would, or archetypes that you would determine? So a few examples. You mentioned the working mom. What other major archetypes are there that uh, mass market companies are targeting? Sure. Uh, so first of all, uh, one of the most important, I would say, target audience uh, when we do some innovation, uh, truly innovation work. Uh, uh, by innovation, I mean that anything similar not exists on the planet so far. So we, when we talk about this type of uh, uh, product design, then, uh, of course, we focus a lot on the early adopters. Mm -hmm. So the people who buy new devices uh, actively interesting in the new things, and they basically surround themselves with the Xbox, Oculus, all this basically VR stuff, like, and they uh, buy a new newest cars, they usually draw Teslas, and all of uh, these electric uh, um uh, futuristic cars in most of the cases. So the early adopters is very important um, archetype for us. A part of that, we targeting students a lot. So like the students is uh, always one of the most important audience because these guys uh, really know the future because this is the people who are going to drive the future uh, very soon. So we want to go um, and, and talk with them for sure. A part of that, we... We're super passionate about the uh, the teens, basically, and uh, people who are just starting their journey with the tech. Uh, the thing is about uh, the Gen Z, I would say, or uh, the future generation. 
is that these guys already grow up with the devices. So they are very different from ourselves. They are very different from other archetypes because for them, devices was always uh, exist on the planet and the internet. They can even imagine their life without internet. So, and uh, that that is basically give uh, um, a lot of uniqueness in this archetype. So we focus on them as well. A part of that, uh, we focus on the older generation. So I would say it is um, 45 plus people who already establish uh, their business, uh, who, ha- who have already a successful uh, career and uh, who is working in the field of finance or any other intelligent uh, field like business or consultancy. So uh, we focus on these guys as well uh, separately because um, um, these people have a different needs, of course. Yeah, and uh, we focus uh, a lot on the, on the, um, I would say the archetype which uh, we called um, a young family. I would say is the people who are already not students, uh, they are not yet established and they're kind of like in the middle of this establishment. So they only starting working and pay off their credit for the educations. And they have most of the cases, you know, like young children or dogs, for example, in California, we have more dogs, I think, than children. And uh, uh, yeah, so we focus on these guys as well. Okay, that's that's cool. That's cool. So that's really interesting because uh, <clears throat> depending on the product, it's it's good to think through all those different archetypes and what would their needs be and how can I serve that and maybe maybe it's too big for me to target all these archetypes. Maybe I start with a niche and just pick maybe the forty-five plus in my case that I understand the best, and then I expand from there. So if that's successful, then you can expand. Correct. That is absolutely right. The more important uh, output, the most important basically output of this work is the priorities. Mm -hmm. So like because what's happening right now, I think everybody understands. So for the last couple of years, the digital transformation and innovation become uh, so huge and the timing to make this transformation become so small because of the pandemic, basically. Mm -hmm. The pandemic changed the landscape completely. And because of that, uh, of course, everybody want to move quicker and with the more, I would say, precision uh, towards the uh, making uh, right decisions in terms of audience and in terms of functionality and target, uh, target market space and of course it's very hard to make a decision so like it's just impossible so many opportunities and especially in that uh, age where technologies went go beyond uh, the products and i would say there are so many infinite possibilities in terms of the technologies which has allowed you to create absolutely anything of what you can imagine but people are just not using that correctly yet because they don't know what to do so many opportunities you can go there, you can do there, you can you can do absolutely in, in any industry, anything, and it's going to work out very beautifully because there are not enough people are working on their, basically, on their consumer uh, innovations. So, yeah, that's why the priorities is so important. And this uh, discovery phase and research phase is also one of the uh, most important uh, uh, steps uh, towards this uh, transformation. That's That's fantastic. Just a final question before we wrap up. So if if I'm, I'm a startup founder and I want to create a really big company, 
how do I think big? What is the advice that you would give me how to think big about it and how to have a scaling mindset? Sure. Uh, well, yes, I have a lot of advices uh, to the startup guys, but uh, the thing is about the startups, it's always uh, like how we said, uh, think big. So like a lot of startups, they thinking that when they think big, they kind of overshoot a little bit of their goals and they focus on the smaller things because they're trying to go towards the big goal through the regular kind of like process, like step by step. So and because of that, basically step by step mentality, they spend time on trying to focus on the smaller things, which is, for example, trying to as much as fast as possible making money any money just because they need to kind of like show the traction or whatever but if we talk about the innovation and this is basically of course this is more in most of the case this is a silicon valley i would say attitude in terms of innovation and investments we all know that the largest silicon valley uh, corporations they was not profitable for the decades before they become profitable and then uh, profit uh, for these guys is 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 not something they passionate about so like and basically Basically, uh, when we talk about the large thinking for the startups, you also need to understand that if once you're starting to think about the profit and short-term profit, you spend time um, not towards the large innovation. So like I would say my advice will be if you want to think big, if you want to uh, go big, then you need to think from the beginning big and you need to target this big thinking from this starting of your business, basically. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be succeed finding uh, investments, even with this thinking. And more than that, I, I would say the most investors in Silicon Valley would would love to have a, a big thinking versus uh, some revenue on table up front, I would say. Yeah. And uh, that's why the research, the design, and this basically a process of uh, refinement, how you will get big uh, by trying to test uh, different personas, different archetypes, uh, different basically kind of like people uh, that can become your uh, very, very important, I would say the card in, in the game because uh, that is the only what is important when you go to the market know your audience understand that you're gonna fit perfectly in your audience life and that's how the most amazing products actually become yes i mean basically if you want to corner the market you have no time to worry about profits you just have to grab market share and that's why you need the venture capitalist who will finance that effort and it's very uh, it's almost impossible to bootstrap a startup because of that, right? Because it's just slowed down correct, correct. and um, that doesn't work. Very interesting. So Glab, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to ask you about what's behind the name of the company. So what does it mean, Milk Inside? Uh, yes, uh, of course. It, well, it's interesting story. Um, when I was uh, a student, this was around 20 years ago, there was a very famous uh, magazine for the designer. The world famous magazine is called Inside Mac. So like that's the name of the magazine. Um, I'm not sure it exists right now. And 
this is how I remember inside of work basically. And there was um, uh, this uh, design agency studio, it's called a Turbo Milk. So like the Turbo Milk is the studio behind the original uh, Google logo. And basically it was acquired by Google at some point. So basically the entire team was acquired by Google. And I was really, uh, I would say, uh, fascinated about this deal because uh, it was very early days. The design agency kind of like was almost not exist in terms of like focusing on the products. Um, and um, yeah, I just remember this Turbo Milk and inside Mac. And when I was building my company, I was just connected to words and it's become uh, Milk Inside. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, so Milk Inside Inc. is the company, which is a design firm for, for businesses, consumer businesses that want to create mass market products. <clears throat> so if someone would like to learn more about your process, your, your uh, services, personally connect with you, where should they go? Uh, well, uh, you guys can go to my LinkedIn uh, and direct uh, send me a direct message or my Twitter account uh, as well. So I'm pretty active. I try to post a lot of actually designs there and a lot of these archetype prototypes as well. You will see a lot of uh, materials uh, in my social media and Instagram as well. So like I really active there uh, recent days. Uh, always open to DMs and uh, of course, uh, milkinsight.com, our website. So we are working right now on the updates and gonna share uh, much more information uh, than we have right now. But on this website, you can always find the email and just reach out uh, through the email. We always are happy to talk uh, uh, with uh, a lot of audience. Well, definitely recommend you check out milkinsight.com. It's very visually uh, appealing and, and unique looking. Very interesting website. Uh, so check uh, check Gleb Kuznetsov out there, the founder and CEO of MilkInside.com. So Gleb, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your uh, ideas and experiences with us. And uh, for those of you out there who are listening, uh, don't forget to check in next week for another exciting entrepreneur uh, story on the show. Thank you.